0: Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange. On today's show, we are still putting a bow on our trip at the NFL Combine in Indy. Trevor and I are going through our stock up, stock down players, and most importantly, how it impacts this NFL draft. Which guys are shooting up into the first round, maybe even the top 10. Which guys that have been there all year, might be sliding and it's not just from workouts it's what we're hearing from teams execs you name it we're all over it we're excited to get after it today everybody i'm connor rogers with me as always is my co-host trevor Sikma. let's ring the bell welcome to the opening bell of the nfl stock exchange pod i'm connor rogers with me as always is my co-host trevor sigma and trevor we got the round two the two round beast in the books man but for the people that are back for some more we are not done yet we are going to put a bow on the nfl combine today is stock up stock down from the nfl combine and that can that can be looked at as a lot of different ways right trevor it can be the testing it could be things you hear it can be A guy that you thought was going in the second round and everybody's like, no, you're wrong. He's going in the first round. So it's all the takeaways from the NFL combine, man. I'm excited for today.
1: Yeah, I am too, dude. And, and, you know, we talked about this before combine week that it's not just about the athletic testing. Like it's not just about checking those boxes. It's not even just about the measurables. It's about us finding out what the league really thinks on some of these players, because this is the time where you really get to talk to a lot of people within the league. So, you know, when we get to these stock up and stock downs, yeah, I think we're going to highlight some performances and things that they did this past weekend, but especially with the stock down segment, it's going to be more of not necessarily we're totally changing what we think of this player in our evals, but more of we're updating you guys or trying to update you guys on what the league thinks of some of these players. So I think that that's what a lot of this is going to be about, but it's going to be good to get the people some information that we were able to learn in Indianapolis. I'm sure we can't share all of it. I know there's yeah. some things that I can't share, but I'll try to share as much as possible.
0: Yeah, some of it has to stay in the holster. That's just the has rules. to. It'll it'll slowly be leaked out over time. But uh, Trevor, let's start on a positive note, man. Who are you rolling with out of the gate that you think had a really nice week in Indy?
1: Dude, there's been conflicted reports on this player. So, this is why I really wanted to start out with this. Kayvon Thibodeau. Man, I was so impressed with Kayvon Thibodeau. I really was. And, you know, just like everybody else, I kind of heard the mixed reviews with Kayvon. There are some people within the league that think that Kayvon's a me guy. I'm I'm just going to say it. Going into Indianapolis, you know, obviously, you and I have had the conversation before on this podcast where he was the consensus number one overall player, and then... We kind of started to see him drop a little bit, and now it's kind of like he's you know, f- almost firmly not in that number one spot anymore. He's kind of like right around four or five in it's the not draft. Not even discussed, in the right, number one it, spot right? Right, ever. right, We we talk about him as a potential number one overall pick, but he never goes number one overall in mocks anymore. So people were like, "Okay, well, what's the big deal? Is it the interview he did where he was kind of coming off as like super confident? Did it run pe- rub people the wrong way?" I think it did. I'm just going to be honest, man. I, from what I heard in Indianapolis, there are actually some people who believe that that interview made him look overly confident or arrogant or cocky or something like that. And man, I just, I, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. And maybe this is a little bit more of a stock up personally, but when cave Thibodeau talked at the podium, he sounded smart. He sounded cerebral. He sounded like he knew exactly what he needed to do to be successful in the league. And look, I don't get to talk to Kayvon Thibodeau every time he goes to these NFL teams. And I'm sure that every interaction is a little bit different, as it is for every player. But I've got to go with Kayvon Thibodeau as a stock up guy because I think all any stock down reason that somebody had on Thibodeau going into the week feels like it's more fragile now than it ever was. So this guy still really nice athlete, really good tape. I think the things that he can do from a pass rush profile are fantastic. When he got up to the podium, he talked about having a pass rush plan and he compared it to the game of chess and how you set up one move to set up another. He talked about, I'm going to hit you with speed. And then I'm going to hit you with different types of power. And then when you react to that, I'm going to give you a different move. And he just understands what it takes to be such a good pass rusher in the NFL and, I was super impressed with what I got to hear from Kayvon Thibodeau. He did not sound arrogant or cocky at all. And with that, when that's with that being the case, you and I had him as edge one tape wise. He's yep. still edge one for me. I know he's still edge one for a lot of guys in the NFL, in the, in the NFL circles. And so I'm thinking that this dude's stock is up from what we kind of quote unquote didn't know going into Combine week.
0: I'm with you, man. I'll piggyback off of the Kayvon talk. I think that, yes, there are people that are legitimately concerned about the personality or taking plays off. I think there's a lot to unpack. I think it's it's ironic to me how nobody ever talks about Kayvon Thibodeau playing Hurt most of the season. We right. use that a right. lot for other people, but when it's convenient, in a sense, for a guy that might have a different personality – that's never used. So I just find that interesting. Uh, I remember now last year was a unique draft year for us. We were not on the road like we are this year. We were, you know, texting and calling and the occasional zoom with your with your scouting sources, friends, whoever it may be. That's all good and fun. It's a different world when you're sitting in front of them having a beer, or BSing like that. So but still, with that being said, last year there was rumblings like this about Micah Parsons, right? Does anybody give a yes. you know what today? about any of those rumblings with Micah Parsons. He was not only the defensive rookie of the year, he was in contention for the defensive player of the year. So I think when you unpack these things, you need to be careful because yes, they can be very real. There can be character concerns of players. Do not ignore that. But with Kayvon Thibodeau, I think one of the better ways I had it put to me was, and this is very important, he is not a bad guy at all. He is no, a no, not even. He close. is a forward-thinking, smart guy that might think he's even a little ahead of where he know, like where he is. Right, like some guys might always think they're the smartest guy in the room, and that might not always be the case. And that's not like a terrible thing to me. That's just somebody that likes to think for themselves, likes to be outspoken. When you get in a room with a You know, like, look at the rooms he could walk into with with veteran defenders that are picking in the top five, right? Like, I know this is a a biased view, but there's a realistic chance he goes to the New York Jets. If he's in a room with Carl Lawson and Quinton Williams, I think he's going to be okay. Maybe that's just me being biased, but I think it's different when you have leaders around you. And there's guys like that on multiple teams he can go to. So, I don't know. I, I don't walk away with the concerns about Kayvon that people have. Uh, and I'm glad you made him a stock up. Here. Yeah, man. And, and you know, like, it, it, it's funny,
1: right? Because what do NFL teams always say they want in their players? Competitiveness. They want an alpha. They want somebody who's always going to win. And then sometimes when we get a player... Who exudes that, and <laughs> we go? Okay, no, that's too far. Like that's a little too far. And like I don't there's know, a line, the, but it, but it seems like the line moves. You it's know? imaginary. Like, the, the, it's different the line for moves for some people, and so look, like I said, things are still split on on Thibodeau. But to your point, he seemed like such a dude who was so motivated, who understood what it takes to be great. He's got the ability to go along with that, and of course. Hard work is the main ingredient in everything. you got to put everything into this to be a really good college football player, to be a top 10 draft pick, to be an all pro and a good NFL player. But Kayvon seems to understand that. So will he end up doing that? Who knows? But that's the case for every player. And Kayvon seems to be getting, I'll say unfairly treated, or at least up until the combine he did. And in Indianapolis, I was very impressed with the young man. I think that he has still, the world in front of him uh, because of what I saw this past weekend
0: yeah I'm excited for him and another guy that I'm excited for my first stock up here uh, is Jermaine Johnson another edge rusher in this Stud. group who Stud. is just kind of on the roller coaster going up the entire draft process at this point and you're and you're wondering or I've been wondering will it ever come down a little bit and it's just not we're at the point where it's just not I think the the sky is truly the limit for him with the draft at this point where you know, Juco, Georgia, where there was improvement, and then Georgia to Florida State, where there was drastic improvement, and it was a podium I couldn't walk away from, Trevor, and I, you know, with the combine, for those listening that haven't gotten to go, it's a very fascinating setup. It, number one, it's very early in the morning, when especially when the process of the week is very long, and I'm not talking about for us, That who cares about us, I'm talking about the players. They're on podiums and the guys that are more popular get the big podiums and the guys that are not get little side podiums and you know obviously jermaine got a, a big podium but there was bigger players on podiums at the time where he didn't have the biggest group around him but he had a solid group and i couldn't walk away i think there's a difference between uh cocky and confident and i think there's also a self-awareness that is so vital some guys don't like to explain why they were a one-year wonder or why they broke out late and jermaine was honest in a football sense. He's like, I love rushing off the tackle's outside shoulder. That's what I love to do. When I went to Florida State, I, I there was an understanding, a mutual understanding between us, how I was going to be used, the volume I was going to be used at, and that with that promise being made, they were going to get all of me. They were going to get the best version of me. And, it, and he went out there and did that. And forget the the podium, as great as it was. The one five five ten 5 10 yard split, Trevor, is rare territory it is yep. the 97 percentile okay let me correct myself 98 percentile yeah that don't sh- get- don't shortchange him don't shortchange him that one percentile he deserves that it That get off the ball is rare like very rare and he is a violent player so when you have that get off and that violent approach as a three down player not as a rusher or a run defender like let's be real when we talk about Trayvon Walker He's a really good run defender right now that's trying to figure out rushing the passer. When you talk about David Ajabo, it's the opposite. When you watch Jermaine Johnson, it's all there right now. He's probably going in the top 10. I love the person. I love the player. And I honestly think quietly he can very well be the defensive rookie of the year. That's how ready he is to go.
1: Man, I'm I'm glad that you highlighted him there because he along with a handful of players we've mentioned on this podcast here has had an unbelievable month. And when I watched Jermaine Johnson tape, you know, when we talked about the edge rush rankings in this class, I liked Jermaine Johnson, but I really did I thought he was kind of more of a run defender than a pass rusher. And a lot of his best tape is in run defense and being very stout and having his hand in the dirt, being that five tech kind of base defensive end really holding the line of scrimmage. There would be flashes of him as a pass rusher at Florida state, but they didn't happen all the time. It's not like it was a weekly occurrence that he was putting one or two or three of these flashes out there. And so because the flashes of pass rush seemed to be few and far between, I said to myself, mm, maybe he doesn't like quite have it. But the thing is, Connor, something that I didn't take into the equation and something that I could see in hindsight now is those pass rush flashes were good. They were really good, and I didn't put enough weight into that just because I didn't see it as consistently as I wanted to didn't mean they were as they weren't as nice as they were. I mean, like you said, exploding off the ball with that 10 yard split attacking the outside shoulder, using those violent quick hands, using a push pull, using a club rip, doing different kinds of moves to get away. And when he was able to put that on display, pin his ears back as coaches say he was dominant, man. He really was even in those couple of instances, we go to the senior bowl. They tell him, Hey, You're just pass rushing in this drill. Jermaine Johnson went, okay, great. And he dominated everybody that he went up against when it came to the one-on-ones. Then you go here to the combine. He tests fantastic. He's got a great podium session. All of that to me, I agree spells out a top 10 pick. And I think that he's going to, you know, top 15, I think, is is the the floor for him. Yep. I think that that's the lock for Jermaine Johnson. I really do think that he's going to be uh, in that range, top 10, top 15, or something like that. So I agree with you, man. Stock up. Certainly from when we started this podcast, I liked him.
0: Now I love him as a player. All right, man. This is where it gets not. We'll, we'll ping pong this. This is where it gets maybe not as fun, but it's, it's very vital. I mean, Trevor and I, when we started this show, not only did we – want to have fun we wanted to do the giraffe but we also wanted transparency and honesty in the process of like this is this is real this is real time scouting sometimes where are you looking for your first stock down and why
1: unfortunately this is our boy connor and he might be a little bit more your boy than me but kyron williams the running back out of no game. Yeah, there's no doubt he ends up running a official yard. <laughs> oh man um yeah jordan davis and kyron williams not that different kyron kind of shows up and at his podium i actually really loved his podium you know he was somebody who again was very confident uh you know a question was asked of him hey like what do you what do you say to people who give you that three or that third down back tag where you're just a third round back or third down back you're a pass catcher you're a pass protector but they don't see you as a full-time workhorse and he said you know what i don't like hearing that he's like not that i don't have the ability to do those things but he's like i want to be known as a running back who can give you value on first second and third down and i, I agree that 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 is that's still there with Kyron williams because the tape still exists but him running a I think it was a four seven flat unofficial 40 yard dash. And I think he got bumped up to a four, six, five. It just doesn't show you too much of breakaway speed. Now I do think the 40 is a little bit overvalued for running backs, right? You you're almost never yeah. in a situation where you're taking off and you're hitting a home run, but it does matter because the NFL game is only going to get faster. And if I already kind of had speed concerns with Kyan Williams in his college tape, what we saw this past weekend with his athletic profile and his athletic score does not give me a ton of faith that he'll be able to win athletically in the league. I think he's a good player. I think he's patient. I think he's got quick feet. His running style is extremely determined. All of those attributes just as important as speed for an NFL for an NFL back. I mentioned the soft hands you won't find a better pass protector in this class of the running back position. You simply will not, but it's a little bit of stock down for Kyron Williams simply because I think he wants to be known as a, as a full-time workhorse, a guy who could do things for you on early downs. I think some people did as well. I believe he was your RB one. I haven't, I had him at RB one going into the season this past summer. RB two. Yep. But what, yeah. So it just, that, is now even a little bit more of an uphill climb than it was previously, because I think all of us were maybe hoping that he was going to show up and run something close to a four or five flat. And that just didn't happen. And it kind of, like I said, nothing really changed with Kyron Williams, but I think it's a stock down because a lot of people were hoping, maybe having some faith that there was a little bit more than what we saw in film and athletically at least. And that's just, not there so Kyron Williams kind of is what he is I think you're gonna see him drop a little bit in some rankings because that hopefulness is no longer there like I said it may be a stock down more towards what was always reality but this is still a really damn good football player and somebody that I would love to have on my football team you're just probably drafting him at a little bit of a different spot than you might have thought a month ago
0: you're absolutely right I mean listen like after Brees Hall I thought he was You know, Brees was a little bit more traits-based, as great as his college film was, but I thought Kyron was a better pass protector. I I don't think Kyron Williams is going to sit there as my RB2 anymore. Now, is he going to fall out of the top five? Like, that's just not going to happen. I don't react that way to the combine. But I think it hurts that he's just not an athlete at a skill position. And why that hurts so much is, you could still evaluate Kyron Williams, you know, the same way in terms of what he's going to be, but he's also a guy that you think you can get now later. And I'm not talking about him himself. I'm talking about like that player. That player exists later on because you're not separating yourself athletically, but you do everything the right way. It's a weird fine balance. It's really disappointing. There's no doubt about that. He's a top five running back in this class. He's one of the rare guys that can play all three downs, uh, but it, it hurts. There's just no way around it. And I'll move things to somebody that, I'm disappointed in not from testing numbers, but from the fact of what he didn't do. And that's George Karloftis. And, and George Karloftis has become a tough player to talk about because I think he has people that are are huge fans and they, they don't like the criticism. Then he has on the other spectrum people that aren't fans. I think you and I have been transparent when we did our Edge episode. We are very in the middle on George Karloftis. We do not see a player even close to Thibodeau, Hutchinson, you know, for me, Jermaine Johnson... Uh, But you also see a high floor run defender that can give you some power, effort, pass rush production. I really cared about his combine because I wanted to know what that three cone would look like. I want to know what that change of direction is. I want to know what that 10 yard would be from the 40. And it's cool that he benched. It's cool that he had a 38 inch vertical. But you didn't do the 40 and you didn't do the three cone. And to me... I think there's a reason I do. Mm -hmm. I'm being honest. And maybe that's an assumption and maybe that's wrong. And I'm sure he'll do it at the pro day, but I think there's a reason. And then on top of that, you know, some buzz that is interviewed, you know, when you sit down with a pass rusher, okay, you, you want like the ultimate alpha dog in the trenches, like the, I am going to whoop your offensive line. And then I'm going to kill your quarterback. And I think people, when they sat down with KT for even the questions they had about him, didn't worry about that. With Hutch, Jermaine, Ajabo, like you don't worry about that. With Carl Loftus, I think it's just, it was just kind of like a shrug your shoulders interview. Not, a, he's not mm. a bad guy. He's not a bad person. He's not like there's no bad character. But it's you just want this like this kill switch. And I think it's on the field at times, no doubt about that. But I think there also was times where he disappeared on tape. So I think for Carl Loftus, the reason he's stuck down for me is I don't think he's worth a top 10 pick. I don't think he's worth a top 12 pick because I know the Vikings have been a hot spot at 12. I I think the ceiling might not be worthy of a top 15 pick. I mm. think he's a back end of round one guy, you know, like we saw with Rousseau last year, where it's like, okay, he's going to be a long-term starter, and we just think they're, that double-digit sack kind of player might not be there. Mm. And, and that's more opinion from me. Right. But... It's tough when you read about a guy in the top 12 of mock drafts for a year, and then the one question you had, really, with that 3-cone and that 40, to, for him to take the next steps, he passed on it.
1: He gets the Ryan Kerrigan comp a lot. And um, I I can't remember Ryan Kerrigan's mock draftable, so I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, pull it up. Mo- okay, Ryan Kerrigan, six foot four, two 267 pounds. Okay, that's somewhat similar Same size. to Kar- Karloff Loftus. Uh, 40 yard dash, Kerrigan had a four six seven vertical jump. He had thirty three and a half. So Carlitos got him there. Broad jump one twenty two. Uh, he also didn't do the three cone. I don't believe at the combine, Kar- Kerrigan. So he
0: is Ryan Kerrigan. <laughs> yeah but yeah no, i kidding
1: kerrigan's career is nuts right because uh, yep. you know ben so and i had this joke where i mean i guess it's not not entirely a joke that brian kerrigan's got the quietest hall of fame career ever because it was just like double-digit sack season one after the other and i do think that that's probably the ceiling for what we see of karloff this i would agree with you that he is on the stock down part of this show but uh, yeah, I, I heard that like the teams didn't didn't love the interview process, but I always feel weird commenting on that because obviously like, I wasn't, I wasn't there. In, yeah. yeah, like I wasn't there. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he bombed his interview. I wasn't in the room. No. This is just kind of what me, we're hearing.
0: He might not be going as early as you think. That's, That's how I translate it. That
1: is the like, stock down portion of it because I've done mock drafts where me personally, I've put – George Karloftis in the top 10. I've put him in a variety of different spots. I've had him to Me the too. Atlanta Falcons. I've had him to the New York Giants. Like I've had him to a lot of these teams that are picking in the top 10, but I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think that it's less of what Karloftis did this past weekend and more of us catching up to what it seems like the league believes in Karloftis, which is Good point. more of a back end of the first round player. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to see him test but like you said, Sure, there's a reason. I'm sure he was trying to put his best foot forward. A lot of these guys are now. There are a lot of prospects who are not shy. Uh, they don't shy away from not doing drills that they don't think they're going to be good at and just waiting to do it at pro day and basically we're seeing as the years go on players be more and more comfortable with saying yeah judge the tape don't care just go to the tape doesn't matter i'm not going to test poorly in an area where uh i think it's going to kill me there's no reason to just go trust the tape if you will and Carl carloftis was actually asked us that that very question he was i can't remember if it was uh pass rushing or something or whatever he's like oh what do you have to say about you know answering these questions he just looked the guy dead in the eye and he goes go watch the tape and that's it and i'm like all right that's pretty cool <laughs> so i think that that's kind of where we are with car I-, I just think it's more of us catching up to what the league believes on him he's a player that you could probably get more around picks 15 to 25 than you would have to spend a top 10 pick on him so that's where i am on it
0: uh, and I, that's kind of the overall thesis of my point, right? I think it's like, and I'm glad you clarified the interview situation because, yeah, you don't want to be there. It, everybody has different interpretations of people and how they interview and how they interact. But I think when there is a building consensus amongst a couple different teams you talk to that are in the range to draft the player, you don't necessarily use it as like, oh, this guy like is a bad person, or oh, this guy's like a dud. It's like more of a, oh, that team is probably not going to take him and. My job, while is, you know, very heavily our jobs are scouting, evaluating, but our jobs are also storytelling, and our jobs are also painting the picture of what the NFL draft is going to look like, and we're never going to shy away from that, and I think that's just the reality. But on a happier note, Trevor, who's your second stock up?
1: Okay, this one's a fun one, and I sent you my stock up notes before the show, and this one is one that I have added since I sent it to you. Stock up. Mitch Trubisky, dude. I went into Indianapolis Combine Week not thinking that I was going to hear the name Mitch Trubisky nearly as much as I did, and I think oh that I, heard, I heard, <laughs> I heard scouts, I heard media members, I heard like rumblings from teams. Everybody was talking about Mitch Trubisky at the beginning yeah. of the week, and I, I think that that. Kind of sums up what a lot of teams might think about this quarterback class, right? Like, if a guy like Trubisky is getting this much buzz, and Trubisky, obviously a, a former number two overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, he was it 2017 or 2018? 2018 had to be 2018, right?
0: 17. Was it 17? God, that was Mahomes old. and Watson. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. All right, okay, so sorry, he, I didn't even mean to say it like that. I just, no, number <laughs> t-
1: number number two, former number two overall pick, starts for the Chicago Bears for four years. Uh, He's got Mack Nagy there. He plays really well his sophomore year. The Bears are really great his sophomore season in the league. And then the last two seasons, I mean, he just kind of crumbled as the rest of that Bears regime crumbled. So he ends up leaving Chicago. He's no longer in Chicago. He went to Buffalo, and he's been with the Bills. He was with the Bills this past season. And if you say, well, I didn't really see him play much because he didn't play much. He attempted eight passes this past season. It was obviously all Josh Allen. So Trubisky didn't really see the field. But, of course, we know that – the greatest ally of highly drafted quarterbacks who've flamed out in one location is time because as time goes by, we start to only think of the positive things that we saw from this person. And look, yep. Sean, McD- both Sean McDermott and Brandon being the head coach and the general manager from the Buffalo bills, uh, said nothing but positive things about Mr. Trubisky. They raved about him truly about how he handled the situation, how he came to work at Buffalo, how he didn't talk about like, woe is me. You know, that he didn't, he didn't, bl- they even said like, he wasn't blaming people in Chicago. It's not like he was talking shit about the people who were in Chicago who kind of failed him, which is kind of true, honestly, um, for however talented you want to believe Trubisky is. And of course those two guys have something on the line, making, Mitch Trubisky sound good because they get an extra comp pick if he leaves in free agency and he signs a big deal. But all that to say, there was a lot of talk about Mitch Trubisky potentially being on an NFL team in a capacity that allows him to get a starting gig next year. Um, Washington, uh, Carolina, like, I don't know, just a lot of these places where he might come in and compete for perhaps even win a starting job. And I think that he's probably going to get somewhere between 10 to $12 million in either a one or a two year deal to kind of have this prove it situation with the team and uh, stock up Mitch Trubisky. Cause I didn't think that I was going to hear his name at all going into Indianapolis week. And he was a lot more of a topic than I believed him to be.
0: And hey, there's a side to this that really benefits teams that don't like the quarterback class, but need to be active in the quarterback market that have the job security to kick the can down the road and i'm looking at the new york giants right and they're they're one of a few but the giants come to mind because daniel jones wasn't this regime's pick and i think ownership likes daniel jones as a person and probably still as a player where they want to give him a better chance but i think they also know that one if he gets hurt again it cannot be a mike Lennon. Two, if it doesn't work out for him early on, there needs to be somebody in the building that they could actually turn to. See, now you're building all this positive goodwill and hype about Trubisky's revival arc that it's an easy sell throughout the entire offseason. And then if things really all went poorly with Trubisky and Jones, and I'm using the Giants as an example because it's a very, you know, easy one to envision... Well, that's a new regime that's trying to get things right. And then they're in on the 2023 quarterback class as well. So that's an easy road for a team like that. Instead of getting in the door and being like, we got to take a quarterback now. We need our guy. Once again, this class isn't very good. So I think it's actually the wise decision. So I think that's why you're getting some of that Trubisky buildup up right now. And uh, good for him. Good for his market. Good for his agent. And, and I do hope he can turn it around. Although, you know, obviously, there, it's you'd be an outlier if that was the case. All right. Stock up for me. Uh, Pierre Strong, and I know last week I said that be careful how you value the 40 for running backs, but more for me, it was the guys that run, you know, late four fives, four sixes that you had as top guys, um, rather than the ones that light up the track. Pierre Strong is a unique case, right? You're coming from South Dakota State, so you're already, you already have something to prove. If you're an FCS back, you need to have dominant tape, dominant tape. He has that, right? But then you also need to either hang with the big dogs athletically or surpass them because you're already, you know, you're already punching. You're below in your weight class. You're already trying to catch up. He goes four three seven in the forty and a thirty six inch vertical. I think for Pierre Strong, huge. He he's in huge. the running back class now, right? He was always like the fun sixth or seventh round guy, and now it's like, no, I'm one of the guys. Uh, my vision and speed translates to so many of these schemes that are so popular now with, you know, obviously the Shanahan tree for a long time, but he can fit a lot of schemes in the NFL right now, whether it's, you know, a backup in Minnesota, Cleveland, uh, the Jets, Niners, Rams, Packers, you know, on and on. So I think he's, he's really found himself in the mix. He reminds me of Joseph Adai. There's a little bit of a throwback name for you, Trevor. Nice. Uh, I, I think they have the same body type and that same burst at that body type. And I I think that for Strong, this was a big-time combine for him, for a player that, of course, really needs it when you're coming from that level of competition. And, you know, it's just awesome to watch his process from Shrine to Combine to definitely hearing his name called on draft day.
1: No, I love it, man. Pierre Strong, one of the fastest running backs in this class on tape. He definitely showed it this past weekend. Really nice athletic profile. I like how you set it up there. When you come from a small school, you got to have dominant tape because you're going up against less athletic defenders and you, you bet you better stand out. You've got you to stand out. You, you cannot have average tape as a small school guy and think that you're going to make it when you jump up that level in competition. I thought the Pierre strong is a really great example of that was able to showcase that he's got a ton of production, almost had four straight 1000 yard seasons uh, with Jack rabbits. And so he's been productive. Now he's got the athletic scores. I think he's going to be really nice back in the NFL. So I am glad that you highlighted him before I get to my next guy. uh, I got to tell everybody about our friends over at all 22. They are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing all 22 uses PFF grades as one of its main components to test your ability to build a full 53 man roster offensive line included. So Think about it. It's like a fantasy football style where you're going like my roster versus your roster every single week, but it's based off of actual performance, not necessarily stats. If you've ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office, if you enjoy the scouting process, you're going to want to check out all 22. Join the wait list now all-22.com with nothing more than your email. And if you join before the NFL draft, you'll receive a special promo code for your all 22 subscription. Waitlist users will even gain access to premium content like the inaugural draft guide in season strategies, feature release announcements, and so much more. Be sure to follow all 22 at all 22 underscore PFF on Twitter. It's less fantasy and more football. Connor, before we get back to the stock up, stock down. I do feel like we need to update the people on our combine draft from the episode that do we, we did. have to we did last thursday we do indeed and that is because yours truly came out on top baby in let's a go 15 let's to go. 9 the Fifteen final... to
0: 9 was the final score uh thank you to half my team that didn't do anything in the combine <laughs> draft i really appreciate the effort guys no i mean uh let's just let's do a, a quick uh i know i know we're gonna go rapid fire at the end for some of our stock here but Basically, Trevor's big-time winner is Alec Pierce, uh, the best vertical of wide receivers. Yep. Kalen, Kalen Barnes, the biggest slam dunk of the entire draft. Uh, I had the Aiden Hutchinson three cone and the Brees Hall vertical. They were top guys. But Trevor took home the volume. You had a lot of guys that just uh, that just got it done. There's no I, way around it. This dude, is an L. Dude, dude I, almost, L. I almost
1: hit you with a clean sweep on the linebacker group. I beat you at four yard dash with Channing Channington and Brandon benched.
0: Smith. I Leo got vertical. Fruit. No, not number one pick overall for me didn't do what he was drafted to do. Like this is the bus draft. I took like literally 10 Ja'Kai Polites with my first 12 (laughs) picks. I just, Linderbaum didn't do anything. I should have known him. I forgot he was hurt. The very very first day that
1: basically everyone in a position group bailed at the bench, I was like, Oh, no. Oh, everyone. <laughs> like, no, no one benched. No one benched. And nobody did Nobody did the three cone either. Wide receivers didn't even do the three cone.
0: The running backs as a whole did not do the three cone.
1: They all opted out as a group yep. in solidarity. It was almost impressive. They rose up against the system. Yeah. They were like, nah, not.
0: we're good. They we form, don't need to do this. They formed a union right on the they field. Did. They unionized. The three cone <laughs> unionized. <laughs> unbelievable so now got, you got it I can't even hate you got it your linebacker sweep is just beautiful Channing Tindall Brandon Smith and Chad Muma all had really nice combines and um and I yeah I just I just didn't just what can I say dude I, th- I think I feel the most proud
1: about getting the one point at safety for Colby Harvel. yes
0: this was a this is a big point okay like, I couldn't afford to give up points at this point. And Colby Harville Peel goes, Yeah, I'll bench. No one else here's benching. <laughs> All you had to do was what, like one rep. And you know, you you're gonna do it, so yeah. I'll do it. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Good lord. All right. All right. So just put, I just wanted to uh you know, I just, I just wanted to.
0: No, we we can't Make do sure something we... like that and not update the people. It was true chaos. Well, I, Ben, it was fun. when Ben and I did, when Ben Solo and I did Locked
1: On NFL Draft, we were awful at actually doing things like this
0: and then actually recapping it and then never, yeah. <laughs> never updating yeah. it.
1: So I mean, that's smart. We're, uh, so we're so we're so we're we're starting off in a new leaf here, and maybe it's because I
0: won. Maybe that's the reason why I wanted to bring it up so much, but. And... Uh, if yeah. people liked it, let us know, because we're thinking about doing one for the draft. Yes,
1: yes. So, no, I, I, I would love to do some sort of superlative kind of draft for the actual NFL draft. I know I saw a couple of people say, hey, it was a little confusing with you guys bouncing around positions. Yeah. And
0: we'll, maybe, we'll tailor it. Yeah, we'll maybe, it maybe we'll
1: structure it a little bit better. But if you love the draft idea, let us know. I saw some of those comments already. But if you guys say that you love it, we'll be glad to do it again. Uh, do the iTunes review as well. We see that all the time if you want to do suggestions. Here's a wild idea.
0: Yes. Maybe for the draft one, we do that show live and we curate the top vote for each section from the comments. So it's Trevor, Connor, the Stockies, the stock exchange fans. So Wait, we let the the fans in on the competition as well. Okay, so like,
1: so like they're voting for an answer yeah. at the
0: same time we are? They are mm-hmm. they are getting they are yeah, they're picking as well. I actually... As a collective unit. I actually like this a lot. Yeah. That'd be a good we, way to get it. We can
1: workshop this. I think that yeah. we could workshop it's get, this. We need the two months to figure it out. We do, we do. But we'll get it done. All right. Um, we'll go We'll go somewhat rapid fire in our yeah, uh, last couple of guys. I'll bundle my last two uh, stock downs. Will okay. You go Go ahead. Okay. So my stock down, dude, one of my the, my... the last guy that I want to talk about is Devin Lloyd. And Devin Lloyd's another player who, kind of like George Karloff, this, had this top 10 allurement to him that he might be able to go top 10. I don't really see that anymore with, with Devin Lloyd. And again, it's the same thing that it is with Karloff. This is the same thing that it is with Kyron Williams. The tape did not get worse. The tape did not magically get worse this past weekend, but You kind of wanted Devin Lloyd to test a little bit better athletically, at least in the 40-yard dash. I mean, he did have good explosive scores, the 35-inch vert, the 126-inch broad jump. Don't want to slouch on that at all whatsoever. Put up 25 in the bench bench press, so we know he's a strong dude. But it's a little bit of a stock down because in order to be a top-10 off-ball linebacker, to me, you've got to be super special as an athlete so i still think Devin lloyd is a good football player i still think he is going to be a good pro i've always thought this but the transcendency of him being a top 10 consideration i was always a little bit hesitant on and after seeing him in indianapolis i checked my scouting box of saying this is a good player you can yeah. draft devon lloyd anywhere in i would say the back half of the first round anywhere from 15 to 32 and you are going to get a damn good football player. I'm just probably picking other guys over Devin Lloyd when it comes to the top 15, and that's all. That's all it is. So it's, it's it's a stock down in consideration for those people out there who thought that Devin Lloyd was going to be a top 10 pick. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick. I think he's going to be more of a back end of the first round, probably middle of the first round if we're being fair, but I'm not sure how the, the NFL views the linebacker class overall. I just didn't hear – wow, you got to go up and get one of these linebackers. you got to go yeah. get up and get one of these guys early. So it's a little stock down for me.
0: Yeah, I think with with that, Lloyd plays fast, but what that tells you is Lloyd sees it, right? And I think we'll have this conversation with Kyle Hamilton. They're seeing it so well that they're getting to the spot because of their instincts rather than that 40 time. And the perfect linebackers have both, right? And it's okay. I love Devin Lloyd. But it's just, you know, when you look at the reality of it, He's not going to be that that unicorn as like a top 10 overall pick uh, because of, you know, a- he's an average athlete with awesome instincts. And, and I love the player. But you're right. With guys like that, you expect them. You have such high expectations. It's very hard for them to meet. Uh, and this is kind of where I'm going. My my two stock downs, final stock downs are bundled together. Two corners, Kyler Gordon and Derek Stingley. One obviously worked out one did not. I actually will start with their measurements being my biggest stock down. Kyler Gordon came in under six foot. That surprised me. 31 inch arms. That surprised me. Uh, 194 is fine. Stingley, exactly six feet tall, 190. You know, he's been hurt. So it's hard to carry a lot of weight anyway. I'm not going to kill him for that. The 30 and 5 eighth arms. Honestly, Trevor shocked me for a guy with great ball skills. I I think that that is uh i believe that's around like 20 percentile arms you're talking about a premium shutdown corner and i don't think it impacts his game but it just surprised me a little bit but the reason the stock down is stingley he couldn't work out it's now we're waiting a long time for this guy to be that football player again and team the reason he's a stock down is teams are concerned he is not a top 10 pick anymore and Hmm. when you look at gordon I heard a couple of mixed things. I actually heard that he was not feeling very well at the combine and like that is very real, but he obviously was not going to just opt out for no reason. So I'm not feeling well. Then everybody would kind of pile on. He ran a four five, which is not slow, but Kyler Gordon is a four, four level athlete. So combining the measurements with that 40 time, when you're expecting greatness, I'm very curious to see if he can make up for it at his pro day. I think he will do everything at his pro day to make up for it. So Kyler Gordon had a chance to go round one. I think he's a firm round two kind of player right now, while Stingley has just lost that top 10 status. And it's, it's tough to see. And hopefully he turns into the great player we all expected him to once be. But it's it's been a long road this last year and a half.
1: Uh, I, I think in the most cliche, cliche, cringe way possible, Derek Stingley plays bigger than what he is, both in the arm yes. length and the overall height. So the tape of him Being able to play bigger is there. He's got that kind of a style, but his measurables are still his measurables. And the thing for me is... When he's to play, that's the the, issue. The foot injury, that's the biggest issue for me. You are still not able to do the combine, and you were only able to play three games this past season because you had a Liz Frank injury during the summer, and then you waited and you kind of got surgery on it after you realized that it wasn't going to heal on its own sometimes those injuries just don't heal fully sometimes those are things that really stick with you and so that's a that is definitely uh, a worry for me Kyler Gordon I thought he was more explosive on tape than he was like super fast so the 40 I guess it kind of surprised me because I thought kind of like Garrett Wilson right where you watch Garrett Wilson's tape and you go okay the explosiveness the shiftiness is obviously there with him but where is the long speed there Garrett Wilson checked that long speed box. It was like, OK, I guess that he's got the speed to match the explosiveness, the short it's area a fast track and right, right. And and then that, it just wasn't the case with Kyler Gordon. And I'm curious to see, you know, if he's able to really improve his time when he goes to Washington, if he looks a little bit different when he's running. And so we'll get to see then again, the 40. Look, these guys have years and years and years and snaps and snaps and snaps of tape that they put out there. I'm not going to sit here and judge these guys getting in a track stance for two reps of a 40 yard dash and make me think that it means that they're for sure slow. <laughs> Sometimes the number is so bad that you think, okay, maybe they are that slow, but for Kyler, I'm still optimistic that that athleticism that we were able to see on tape was still there. I, I want to give two uh, parting, I guess, uh stock up and a stock down. And this is actually probably bad on us. We're bad podcasters here, but, One of my one of my stock ups is Malik Willis, and I'm going to highlight Malik Willis and a lot of people have highlighted Malik Willis. But. um, Yeah, I heard from a couple of different people that number two overall is is not like out of the question now. This happens every year. So I'm going to pump the, I'm going to tell people to maybe pump the brakes a little bit. We do this every single year. We pump up players. We go, Oh yeah, this guy's going here. You remember like Mac Jones was apparently going number three overall. Now that was on the table for them, but it didn't end up happening. And then what ended up happening? He went 15. I mean, that's a massive difference there of where he's going. So we do this every year around this time of year. And over the next month, especially as free agency comes out where we talk about teams really being interested in a player here, but this weekend was the first weekend, whether it's complete smokescreen or not, that I heard that my that Malik Willis is it's it, it's not a zero percent chance that he could go two overall to the Lions. So that was probably what we should have led the show with. Anybody who listened to the full podcast, I'm like perplexed right now. They're getting a uh, they're get, they're getting a nugget here, but that's that is something that I heard um, in Indianapolis. So I assume that look, even if. With Malik Willis's name in, the, in that kind of a conversation, I guess the stock has to be up. And I did. Yeah. I love this podium. I love this podium session. I thought he was very genuine. He's very real about himself, about where he's coming from, how much he has to grow. He's not sitting up there thinking, yeah, I'm going to like be the best starting quarterback in the NFL whenever a team chooses to start me. You know, He's like, look, I got a lot of work to do. I got some some technique that I'm working on, some things that I've been able to get better over the last couple of months, last year. He's like playing at the NFL. It's going to be a different level. I'm going to be able to adjust to the speed. But he had a confidence about him within that honesty and so i think he's a stock up anyways i think that he was always probably going as qb1 in this draft i think this past week confirmed that for me and yeah i did uh
0: i did hear the whispers of two overall so i i did hear that I, I like that we're kind of using nuggets as like easter eggs in our show now we're not like opening the show and be like, well, Willis is going number two overall. We're like, no, you got to stay for the whole thing and you'll, you'll get the good stuff. Um, man, that would set the draft on fire. All right. I will close out my stock up here with, this is a funny one in a weird way. I almost, I wrote it as the non Kyle Hamilton safety class. And this isn't a diss or a slight of Kyle Hamilton. It's just that, Kyle Hamilton, for all like the unicorn talk and all the hype and everything, it's almost buried a very talented tier two of safeties that yes. I, am a, I yes. am a huge fan of. Like, I'll say this: it's the question of use a top ten pick on Kyle Hamilton or take one of these guys at the top of round two uh, is an easier answer for me than I'm. I'm you know you'd be surprised by, and those guys are Lewisine. Tremendous combine four, three, yes. seven, 40, 36 and a half vertical one thirty three broad he jumped like a mile he jumped the whole field uh, and the tape is explosive explosive uh, obviously Dax Hill that six five seven three cone Trevor that change of direction for a guy that lives in the slot I love it at six foot at six feet tall one hundred ninety one pounds long arms man that's a very uh, interchangeable piece and even Jaquan Brisker I know he ran the sub four five, 40. I like the way he carries his weight. He could be a bit of a bruiser coming downhill when he needs to. He's responsible in coverage. So Seen, Hill, Brisker, they deserve more love. It's as simple as that. And they are top 40 picks. Just because Kyle Hamilton gets all the headlines as the top 10 guy, that's all well and great. These three are NFL starters from day one and very worthy of top 40 selections. And it's happening.
1: Love it. Love it. I agree. The safety class is awesome. I was at Jaquan Burst Podium and uh, I was talking about the strength and conditioning program at Penn State with them because they've had some absolute nuts athletes uh, come around over the last couple of years. And I said, like, hey, like, do you have any do you have any quite crazy weightlifting stories? And he said, Well, right now I I have the record for bench for a DB. He said, I did three he said it three fifty five six times.
0: At sub two hundred. Sub two hundred. And he's been, he's been banged Stupid up, so I think, I think his workout would have been even better if he hadn't been battling injuries during this offseason. He obviously didn't get to go to the Senior Bowl because of that, so a lot of credit to him for working out. I think he that's really impressive. Man, fun show. No, that was All great. Right. Uh, little rapid
1: fire. Uh, George Pickens, I thought, is a stock up. He had a great combine. Jordan Davis, you know, showing up at a lower oh. weight, performing extremely well. I thought he had a great combine as well. Damian Pierce impressed as he always does. Whether it was the bench press and did you were you there for that? I can't remember if you were no, you were there for Damian Pierce. I heard Pierce's it going rep. on. I think so. I yeah. was sitting there watching it, and he's he's repping him out. Damian Pierce is rapping him out. He gets to his twenty-first rep. And he is struggling a little bit. Like this is this is the last rep that he's going to do. But he's he's right there. It's not like the guy has to take it from him. And the spotter puts his hands down to go take it. And you can hear Damian Pierce yell because the spotter's got a mic on for everybody to hear him uh, in the in the arena. And you can hear Damian Pierce tell him, don't take that, bitch. Don't take that, bitch. <laughs> because he he wanted to finish the rep, so it counted. And he did. He got up that 21st it's rep. Amazing. And then, obviously, uh, he re-racked it after that. And the whole stadium was laughing and cheering for him and everything. So, great personality. That dude's a stock up. Any other rapid-fire
0: dudes before we get out of here? Uh, Travis Jones and Devontae Wyatt. Jordan Davis's combine was so good. We missed, like, two historic D-line uh, yeah, combines right, for right, them. Right. That was awesome. But, yep. yeah, man, that that was it for me. It was a pretty pretty impressive showing from a large majority of this group
1: no nah, it's fun it was great it was good to unload a lot of these combine takes some of the things that we've been hearing behind the scenes from indianapolis uh, to you guys on this episode i'm sure that from now until draft weekend we're going to be doing the same thing you're going to be hearing little combine nuggets that we've heard uh and we'll kind of be spreading those things out throughout the show we're going to have some sort of ranking format episode for you on yep. thursday haven't decided which position we're going to do so I guess you guys will just have to tune in then. Thanks for listening to the NFL stock exchange. We'll see you guys then.